Growing Up Baby with Haley Zimak. So, you've gone through all those months of pregnancy. You were a rock star during delivery, and now you're home, settling into the fourth trimester? Not often talked about, this is a topic freelance journalist Mary Grace Taylor finds particularly interesting. That blurry, hazy time in those first 12 weeks after having baby. She's been writing about parenting and pregnancy long before becoming a parent herself, but when she had her son Eli four years ago, well, that's when it really hit home. So the fourth trimester, um, some experts refer to that first 12-week period um, of a baby's life as the fourth trimester. Um, So it was originally coined by the pediatrician, uh, Dr. Harvey Karp. That's actually who I learned about it from. When I was pregnant, I picked up one of his books and I read this idea about the fourth trimester um, where Dr. Karp theorizes that human babies are born about three months too early. So they're born at nine months gestation instead of 12. Um, uh, by the time you're nine months pregnant, um, you know, he sort of says that the baby's brain has gotten so big that it might not fit through the birth canal. Um, if they stuck around in the womb much longer, um, that said, they're not totally ready for life on the outside. Um, so it takes them about 12 weeks to adjust. Um, and, you know, I think that sort of accounts for a lot of the strange things that newborns do. Um, they're very fussy. They, they don't really know day from night. They can't hold their heads up. They sleep a lot, but their sleep patterns are very erratic. Um, their bodies are very scrunched up. Uh, they have a lot of reflexes that look a little odd, like that startle reflex, you know, Um, And so uh, they're also simply just getting used to their new surroundings. I mean, if you think about it, if you spent your entire life, you know, in this dark, warm, watery space, and then you were suddenly thrust into this bright, noisy, chilly world, you'd probably be wondering what was going on. And you (laughs) probably wouldn't be too happy. You might want to go back to where you came from. Um, And you might find a lot of comfort in things that reminded you of that old place, like dim light, quiet, uh, you know, being kind of scrunched up, you know, being swaddled, which kind of feels a little bit like being scrunched up, being held Mm -hmm. close. Movement. We had one of those swing chairs that just worked wonders. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, you know, uh, on the, on the mom's side, um, you know, that, that 12 week period is sort of just a time where, where her body is sort of shifting from a state of pregnancy back to a state of, you know, no longer being pregnant and, um, you know, also adjusting just to life as a, as a mother, which, uh, you know, is a huge change. So, so there's a lot going on during this period. And, um, and I think, you know, it's sort of a a period of major adjustments for, for mom and for baby. Mm -hmm. Well, and in your article, you write about there's the hormonal issue, there's organs moving back into place for the mom, there's milk being uh, produced. These are not insignificant changes. These are massive changes happening all at once to your body, your mental state, your emotional state, everything, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it took your body nine months to, you know, build this baby. And, you know, it's not like, as soon as the baby is born, your body is going to just go back to the way it was before you were pregnant. It it takes time. Um, And, you know, not just a couple of days and not just a couple of weeks, I think like a lot of women might expect. 
Yeah. And I mean, I think sometimes social media plays into that too, because you see certain celebrities or people of influence and, you know, the next week they're in yoga gear out running and talking about how they drop the baby weight, which is not always the reality for the rest of us. No, not at all. I mean, I remember, um, I remember after Eli was born, uh, you know, I had, I had gained quite a bit of weight and most of that weight stuck around, you know, even after he was born. And I had this idea that, oh, by my six week, uh, checkup, I'm going to fit back into my old jeans. They're just going to fit again. Oh, um, six weeks. They, you they thought, eh? Wow. They didn't fit. Um, you know, of course they didn't fit. And I, you know, I got so upset because I had like, just for some reason had this idea that like, this is the time they're supposed to fit. And I remember, you know, sitting in my bedroom kind of, you know, crying a little bit, you know, with my too tight pants while my mom was holding Eli and saying like, you know, that's, you know, it's fine. Like that you shouldn't have expected that. Like, it's okay. This is normal. Um, yeah, but I didn't know. So it was, it was, Nope, that's fair. Um, we hear a lot about pregnancy brain too. You know, oops, my hairbrush is in the freezer or I, I left the milk out on the table all day. What about that kind of hazy, foggy time after giving birth in those 12 weeks that we talked about? If you're able to share your own experience or what you came across in doing some research for your article as well. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, the haziness and the fogginess is, I mean, I think every single new mom, every single new father too, honestly, you know, you're, you're experiencing that, but I, but I think it's more, certainly more intense, um, for, for women after giving birth. So, I mean, first of all, you're very sleep deprived. Um, if you're breastfeeding, you are doing all of those overnight feedings and you're just, you're just not getting, you know, good sleep at all. Um, aside from that, your hormones are kind of, they're kind of all over the place. Um, uh, you know, uh, you, your hormones are kind of shifting from a state of being pregnant to not being pregnant. And it can really have an impact on your mood. Um, you know, after you give birth, um, the levels of estrogen and progesterone that you, that were super high when you were pregnant, they like take a really quick dive. Um, and for a lot of women, this can kind of show up as baby blues a few days after giving birth where you kind of maybe feel, you know, like a little bit sad or a little bit weepy or just like, you can't really kind of focus on anything. Um, and you don't really know why. Um, and for others, you know, uh, those hormone changes can manifest in, uh, mood shifts that can, that can go on longer. Um, I think a lot of people are familiar, you know, with that risk of postpartum depression. Um, but for a lot of women, I think it, it sort of manifests, it can manifest as anxiety, um, where you, you kind of feel, scatterbrained and just kind of scared and nervous. And, you know, there's no, you know, sort of intellectually that that you shouldn't feel this way, but you can't, um, you can't stop yourself from feeling this way. Um, that was certainly something that, that I dealt with a lot. Uh, I just, I just felt like I, I couldn't focus on anything, uh, those early months. And I was just constantly, you know, worrying if, uh, if Eli was happy, if, if how he was going to be, if he didn't, if he didn't take a nap or a long enough nap, or if I, you know, got home a few minutes later than, than I said I would, and he was going to be so hungry or, you know, just every possible thing you can think of, I was worrying about it. Um, after I wrote this article, I, I, uh, I learned another thing about brain changes that happen after pregnancy that I think also sort of accounts for the fogginess. Um, 
So after pregnancy, a woman's brain actually sort of starts to rewire itself. And some of the functions um, or some of the areas of the brain that are responsible for executive functioning, things like memory, things like focus, um, some of those wires kind of go away and they, you sort of develop new wires that are geared towards being a mom. You develop wires that are focused on sort of learning about your baby and interpreting your baby's mood and being more patient with your baby and bonding with your baby. Um, and there's some research that shows that um, those changes can be pretty long lasting. So it, it's, it's very normal to feel um, foggy and hazy and sleep deprivation is, is, not, uh, is not the only factor um, you know, at, at play there. There are some other biological underpinnings that, that can be responsible for, for why you, know, you, just, you just can't seem to focus during those early months. Hmm. Okay. That's really interesting. I wonder too, a good friend of mine said, um, when she had her first child, she said, I have never been more acutely aware of my surroundings. She said, I almost feel like I'm in fight or flight, right? Like I'm ready to protect this little baby at all costs. Yeah. And I wonder if that's part of it too. I think so. I think so. Um, I remember, um, shortly after Eli was born, um, uh, I was going to target with my husband, Sam and with Eli, and we were in the parking lot and I saw a man walk into, you know, we were, we were sitting in the parking lot and I saw a man walk into the store. Um, and he had like a big backpack on and I got this idea in my head that like this guy had weapons in his backpack and we couldn't go inside the store because I didn't know if he was going to like pull a gun or something. And I, this is an extreme example, but I, you know, it, it, to me, it just seemed like this is a, this risk is real right now. We cannot go in the store. And I told Sam and he was like, are you serious? Like the guy just has a backpack. And I was like, I'm serious. We have to go to another target. Um, and you know, we did go to another target and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think anything happened in that store that day that we chose not to go into, but I had this gut feeling um, that I, you know, I had to keep my family safe and we could not go in that store. And that's, that's what we ended up doing. Wow. I got yeah. chills and I get it too. I get it. It's, you know, you always trust your gut and your instincts and they say mother's intuition. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't think my instincts were correct in that case, but they felt so strong at the time, you know, yeah. that, you know, I just felt like, you know, this is what I need to do to keep my family safe right now. Um, so even if I'm being ridiculous, uh, we cannot, we cannot go in there. Yeah. No, that, that, that's totally fair. I did an interview in the first season of this podcast. Uh, we were speaking about postpartum depression and intrusive thoughts. And so I told the woman, you know, I used to have these terrible images when my little guy was a baby, baby in the bathtub that I would drop him, that his head would, you know, crack against the, the porcelain of the tub. Like it was just so vivid and so real to me. And of course it didn't happen. Um, but she talked about how it's completely normal and completely natural to have these fears and they're legitimate fears, but they're also fears that you might not have felt before just because everything is so fresh and so new and you don't really know how to handle, you yeah. know, these situations with this helpless, defenseless baby that you're now in basically. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes when, when you are, 
um, having those intrusive thoughts because I, I had the same kind of thoughts. I had thoughts about, you know, what what would happen if, you know, we we looked at Eli and his bassinet and he had just died in his sleep. Uh, you know, I would have those thoughts and sometimes my reaction to those thoughts freaked me out because sometimes I would just be like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know how I would feel. Like my, my initial reaction was not like devastation. Um, and that in itself to me was scary and shocking. Like, mm-hmm. you know, seeing that that was my response, not being devastated by this, by this idea. Um, and I think that that kind of speaks to, um, you know, the headspace the, maybe the of, just how crazy, um, y- your brain can, can be in that time. Um, and you know, you feel like you're just not yourself at all. And you're having, you know, these thoughts that you're like, am, am I a sociopath or something? And you know, the answer is no. Uh, the answer is you are just going through a major, major life change and a major, major, uh, biochemical change. Um, and, and it, it's, it's impacting the way that you're thinking. Mm-hmm. No. And I think, you know, thank you for being so candid about that. And, and I'll say something kind of along those lines as well. When we first had our little guy, Silas, you know, and of course I love him more than, oh my God, anything in the world. But when he was like a baby, baby, I didn't feel that overwhelming crush and rush of love that you hear about and you, you know, that you, yeah. you read about in your you're quote unquote expected to feel. And I remember Ben and I were both saying like, okay, you know, like we, we have this little guy, but it just wasn't the, the emotions and the absolute love and care we have for him now. And I brought that up in that interview as well. And again, you know, what's normal and what's not normal, but she's like, of course, right? Like you don't, this is your first time. You don't know this person. You, your, your, your emotions and everything are so out of whack that it's okay. You know, it'll come basically. It, it, it always comes to you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally, those first, those first couple months, uh, I mean, yes. If you asked me, do you love your, do you love your baby? Of course I would say yes, but I would say, you know, the feeling was really more a feeling of obligation, not Mm -hmm. love. And, um, you know, I, I didn't really feel bonded to him. I just felt like I had to do the things I had to do because I was his mother. Um, and you know, I was, you know, so many of the moms I would talk to, like in my new mom's group, they just seemed so smitten with the baby and they were like, Oh my gosh, I just want her to be a newborn forever. I just love the snuggles. And I just, I just love, you know, everything about this time together. And I was just like, yeah, um, (laughs) I'm not feeling that at all. You know, not at all. It's a weird thing because then you're like, is there something wrong with me? Uh, you know, like, am I not cut out uh, to be a mother? Should I not have had this child? Um, because I don't feel this way at all. And yeah, I mean, of course, you know, as he got older, um, I, we just needed time. And as he got older, we bonded and I I love him more than anything in the world now. And, you know, it, the longer the longer we have known him, you know, that those feelings have just grown stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Um, it, it just It just took time to get started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. And and that's something in your article you wrote, quote, know that it's normal to not feel normal. So I think you can tell that's really resonated with, with me. Yeah. Um, and why do you think it is important to get that message out there? You talk about being in a mommy group. I've been in similar situations where I just haven't felt immediately the same as other people around me. But then I've also talked to like-minded individuals who, you know, did feel like me. So it's nice to know in these cases that you're not alone and everyone's kind of on their own journey, right? Yeah, I I think it's so important um, to to reassure new moms that 
almost anything they're feeling is probably normal. There is no right or wrong way to heal after your baby is born. Um, and uh, just because you don't feel that immediate sense of love and bonding, or just, just because you don't love mothering a newborn, which is a, you know, a very difficult stage of life for a lot of people. Um, it, it, it doesn't say anything about who you are as a person. It doesn't say anything about who you are as a mother. And it doesn't say anything about what your relationship with your child will be like as they get older, every mother to keep in mind. Absolutely. Yep. Especially as we talked about in those, those first 12 weeks where everything is just haywire and you're learning. Um, So what advice then Mary Grace, can you share maybe on pushing through this time, even making the most of it, because there are ways that you can get out and you can connect if that's your thing. Um, Yeah. yeah, And and just in your own experience and perhaps speaking with people that, uh, that you spoke with for research in the article. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the, the most important thing you can do is to try not to place too many expectations on yourself. Um, you know, in those weeks leading up to your birth and then, you know, you know, as the baby is born, you, you you probably have a picture in your mind of what everything is going to be like. Um, you probably are thinking back to your own experiences, um, you know, with being parented and just, you know, what a mother should be like. Um, just try to set those aside because um, I think putting too many expectations on yourself in those early days um, can, can sort of set you up to, to feel like a failure if you don't meet those expectations. And, and in the early days, you may not meet those expectations. You, you may not have the time or the energy or just the mental fortitude uh, really to do anything other than feed the baby and kind of nap when you can, and, and that's it. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What expectations, right? I mean, we're, yeah. we're, we're alive, we're, we're well, and that's maybe all I can muster today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, another thing that's important is if, if you're the kind of person who does well, when they have some time to themselves, try to plan for that time. Um, because it's very easy, um, especially if you're breastfeeding, um, in those early months for, for you to just, you know, kind of be on the couch 24 seven with the baby. Um, and that can be difficult. I think it can, you can really kind of get lost, um, you know, in those days and in those moments and kind of, kind of forget who you are, um, and and forget your sense of self. I found that, you know, sometimes just, uh, knowing that, um, you know, my mom would, would come over for a couple hours so I could just get out and go to a coffee shop and pretend to do some work, not even actually do it, <laughs> just kind of sit there and like be with my laptop and have my brain focused on something else, um, aside from being a mom. Um, it, it was very helpful and just helped me remember that, yes, you do have an identity outside of, um, you know, being a mother to this this creature who right now really is, is kind of a creature. Um, and I think <laughs> it's so true. That's very helpful too. Yeah. Well, they don't give you anything back, right. Yeah. In those early yeah. days, like you, you yeah. do everything, you put all this time and energy and effort and you get nothing, you get woken up, you get screamed at, you know, that, that's it for a bit. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I think another thing that can be helpful is if you find that you're struggling um, you know, with, with something in particular for a lot of, for a lot of new mothers, that's breastfeeding. Um, 
it can be helpful to, I found it helpful to set some timelines for myself. Um, I found it very difficult to breastfeed in the beginning, even though my goal was, was to breastfeed for a full year. Um, and you know, by a couple weeks in, I was really ready to quit. Um, and if, you know, if you, if you choose to quit, that's perfectly okay. I want to say that. Um, but I talked to, uh, Sam and my mom about it. And they, they both knew that my goal had really been to try and make it to a year. And my mom, um, who had four kids of her own and, and breastfed all of them, she suggested, she said, why don't you just try to do it until he's three months? Uh, you know, and if you don't then reassess and, and if you don't like it, then, then, then you can stop. Um, but right now, you know, you're kind of in a place where you're, you're having trouble thinking clearly and sort of squaring, you know, how you're feeling in the moment with, with your long-term goals. Um, so if maybe you kind of just, you know, market it on the calendar and say, I'm just going to push through to this time and then see how it's going. Um, you may be able to, to look at it a little more uh, clearly. And, and she was right. I mean, you know, I, I did, I, I pushed to those three months and by the time three months came along, it really did feel a whole lot easier. And I knew we could just keep going. Um, you know, but if I had stopped at, you know, two or four weeks, um, you know, I think, I think that was something that I, I, I would have regretted uh, later on. So I'm, you know, I'm glad that I just kind of set that timeline and then, and kind of put the option of quitting out of my mind until then. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, and it's so much more manageable three months as opposed yeah. to a year because you yeah. think, okay, I can yeah, do exactly. this for three months. I did something similar too because I, I struggled as well and I had the year goal in my my mind. And there were times when I'm like, nope, this is impossible. This is painful. This is horrible. And so my goal was six weeks. I didn't yeah. even know if I could make it to six weeks at the beginning. Yeah, know? no, at the beginning, every day is like hell. Yeah, it really, it is. It really is. And, um, I really just felt like I was just chained to the couch and every feeding was taking like, like an hour. And, and then, you know, I, I have like a 20 minute break before he wanted to eat again. And I was just like, I can't, I can't do this. Um, and you know, having, having someone to just say, just, just try a little bit longer, it will change. Um, and it did. The one last thing I would add is I would encourage um, women and their partners, um, you know, before giving birth, if possible, to familiarize yourself with the signs of postpartum depression and anxiety. Um, You know, I think a lot of uh, women are screened at their uh, doctor appointments and at pediatrician appointments, um, which is great. But I think it's still important um, for you and your partner or your, you know, your support people um, to, to be aware of those signs for yourself and to have someone on call that you can reach out to if you start to notice symptoms. Um, uh, you know, even discussing it with your partner ahead of time. So maybe they can be on guard and, and find a way to, to gently suggest to you, Hey, I'm noticing, uh, you know, these symptoms, maybe it would be good if we could find someone for you to talk to, um, you know, because it, it is normal to feel foggy and hazy and, like you're thrown into this crazy scenario and you're not sure if you love it or not. Um, but it's not normal to feel, you know, like you can't get out of bed or like you're so anxious you can't leave the house or, you know, that you're worried about harming yourself or your baby or anything like that. Thank you for listening. Get in touch. Growing up baby podcast at gmail.com. Conversations may be edited for length and clarity. The information, opinions, and recommendations in this podcast are for general informational purposes only. The information is not intended to replace or serve as a substitute for professional advice, consultation, or service. Until next time.